Advent, the first Sunday of Advent. Um, always very exciting. If, does it feel like it's early this year? I don't know. Like what's going on? Because we were all excited about Thanksgiving. Last week we're having Thanksgiving uh, Feast of Favorites together. And then, you know, Thanksgiving Day and then Christmas. Here we go. Um, Black Friday. Did anybody do any Black Friday shop? Is it? I was talking with somebody this morning. Is it even really Black Friday anymore? Because they start Black Friday on like the Tuesday before Christmas, uh, Easter or Thanksgiving, excuse me. Yeah, before Easter, could be. Um, and then they just go on and it's Black Friday every day, you know, leading up to, and then it's still last chance, Black Friday deals. I got some emails last night. <laughs> last chance, Black Friday. And then tomorrow, Cyber Monday. Uh, and they have a day for everything now. Tuesday is Giving Tuesday. You know, don't forget to give to your favorite charity, whichever Lantana church that might be. <laughs> It's <laughs> just, I mean, throw it out there. Hey, uh, really, it's good to be with you guys. We're, I'm excited about this, excited about uh, this season. It does feel like it came pretty quickly and early, but uh, man, it's a good time of year. Christmas tree walk is going to be amazing. I'm so excited about uh, that for this year and for those that help. Yeah, she was right. I didn't even tell her to uh, coach Shannon up in that, but 60 people, just 60 people. And we'll have it, you know, everybody does one tree and about one tree. I mean, unless you bring your own tree and then you got to do two, but you know, it's, <laughs> I am bringing my own tree, by the way. So we'll, uh, we'll get there though. Hey, uh, this, I wanted to start off telling you a story today. The, the Advent is a, a time that we prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. Um, it's a time that we stand in you, the, the, um, the reading that Teresa did a little while ago, we stand in solidarity with those who were waiting on Christ to come the first time. We're, we remember that waiting, but also we are looking forward to when Jesus might return. It's a way of keeping our hearts prepared. And you, if you know me, you know I love Christmas. I love Advent. And every year we celebrate this. In fact, um, the Advent season came right in the middle of my series on Ephesians. So we're going to put a bookmark in that for a few weeks while we do Advent. Um, and then we'll come back to Ephesians after that. But um, it, it's a good time of year. I uh, wanted to start with a story. I read a story about a, a school's superintendent, the district superintendent. He, was, he came to a school one time and he was walking around the school and every room was, was kind of out of order and, and displaced. He, he felt like good learning couldn't happen in such a cluttered place. And some of you teachers maybe understand that. So he, as he was going to the classrooms, he was a little disappointed. So he decided to go into one classroom and, and uh, try an experiment. He told the kids in the classroom, he said, you know, your teacher and I, we've done a, a good job or tried to do a good job to have a well-equipped classroom, a good place for you to learn, uh, for you to enjoy. But really, we need you to keep your desks neat and the classroom's orderly. Just take care of all of this. Um, you know, some of you have crumpled papers, um, books that are, you know, kind of halfway done. Your iPads are laying around because they give all of my iPads nowadays. Um, every, everything's just, nothing's really straight. So here's what I want to do. I would like each of you to start this school year by keeping your desk clean. And I am going to return at some point and whoever has the neatest desk in the whole school, I'm going to give a $100 bill. He pulls out a $100 bill, shows all the students. Of course, they're all, woo, $100, you know. Uh, and um, he 
tell him this story and they all get real excited. He says, so you don't know when I'm coming, but I am going to return. So uh, they get excited and they start pulling things from their desks and, and they're throwing things in the trash basket and they're stacking their books and they're lining their pencils up all nice. And Do you guys remember back, by the way, when we had in school the cigar boxes that we would put stuff in? <laughs> the kids were like, uh, what? Yeah, and then eventually it became not a cigar box, but they called it a cigar box and it was still a box that had like, you know, school buses on it and stuff. Anyway, we would have those and put our pens and our pens, uh, pencils and erasers and crayons or whatever we had in there and it had to be nice and neat. In my mind, that's what I'm thinking when he's asking them to do this. So every morning for the first week, every student would come in and start the day and clean their desk and make sure everything was nice and orderly. By the second week, a group of boys had kind of forgot about it and they got tired of the exercise. That would have probably been me because I wouldn't have lasted very long. Uh, by the third week, several students began to say, oh, no, he probably was just trying to make us keep our desk clean. He's probably not even coming back. Uh, we don't even care about that. After two months, no one in the classrooms really seemed to inspect their desks anymore. They forgot the superintendent's promise, except for this one girl. And every day she would come in and she would dutifully clean her desk and make sure that it was nice and neat and throw the trash away and stack the pencils. And for months, the other students would tease her. What are you doing? You know, uh, you keep looking for him. You look stupid believing that promise anyway. What's going on? Just cut it out. But she remained vigilant quietly. She did her desk every single day. And would you believe towards the end of the school year, one day the superintendent showed up, knocked on the door and here he come. Nobody knew he was coming. The principal didn't know. The teachers didn't know. And so quickly the students, they flung their boxes open and their bags and they're trying to clean everything real neat, quickly get it all sorted out just as quickly as they could. And the attention said, uh, the, excuse me, the superintendent said, okay, stop, stop. I just, too late now. And one after another, he walked around and he began to reject the students for them not keeping their desks orderly. Um, they all tried to give excuses. Uh, one student blamed the teacher because she didn't make them. Another student blamed the superintendent because it took him so long to come back. Uh, finally, the superintendent arrived at the desk of the little girl and he said, oh, this is the one. And he took out the $100 bill crisp new $100 bill and he gave it to this little girl and he said this little girl didn't know when I would return but she kept her desk in perfect order and she didn't really need to worry about what day I would come back because she was just always ready and that kind of is what I want to talk about today what Jesus expects for us in this season of Advent we're reminded to be ready for when he comes back uh, and I'm going to, we're going to read out of Matthew chapter, uh, what chapter are we reading in today? Matthew chapter 24. And if you want, you can get your Bible. It'll be on the, the screens. And then also we have uh, the sermon notes. You can download the church's app. Sermon notes are in there or in the Bible app. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, starting with verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. 
because you do not know on what day or hour your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Um, today, as is, it is an exciting day, as the first Sunday of Advent, and so you know that the Advent Scriptures, you can look it up online, or maybe you already are familiar, the Advent Scriptures are um, selected. We're each week there are Advent scriptures. There's a New Testament and a gospel reading and a psalm. And they, they have four different scriptures for each Sunday. So this is actually the scripture for the first Sunday of Advent. Um, also, if you were wondering, there's, they have it broken up into three years, A, B, and C. This is the beginning of year A. We're starting a whole new church calendar. I don't know if you even knew that they went like that. So uh, we just came out of year C. Today we're starting the year A first Sunday of Advent, and it really is an exciting time because this is the beginning. This is what started everything. This is um, the day that we look forward to Jesus coming as a baby. But also, we need to be vigilant, remembering that Jesus one day will return. Imagine getting a phone call from your brother before Christmas and um, you know so he calls in the summer and he if some of you are like I don't have a brother your sibling a family member whatever and um, your brother and wife and their three kids tell you in July hey we're going to be coming uh, in Christmas we'd love to spend a week with you during Christmas and you think oh that's great I haven't seen you in a couple years yeah come on we'll have a good time party together it'll be great we would love that and so they come and you have a great time but imagine a different scenario where you and your family you wake up on Christmas morning and maybe this is you you wake up on Christmas morning, pajamas, hair's all crazy, kids are running around and you go and start opening your presents and then while you're there, knock on the door and there's your brother and his wife and their three kids. Hey, we're here to spend a, a whole week with you. Surprise. Some of you would be like, um, we, there's no room in the inn. There's, like we've got a hotel down the way. Um, you know, there's a difference between being prepared and not being prepared. And that's really what today's scripture gets at. Being prepared and not being prepared. In the spirit of being prepared, by the way, don't forget that this year Christmas is on Sunday. Um, somebody already has asked me, are, are we having church on Sunday? I, and I said, I can't imagine a better Sunday to have church than on the Sunday that we celebrate Jesus' birth. So we will have church. It's going to be, we'll have, it'll be fun that day. We'll talk more about what we're going to do on Christmas Sunday morning. Sounds awesome to me. But would you rather be prepared for a visitor or caught off guard? That's really what the scripture gets to today. In, in this story, Jesus gathers some crowds around him and he announced to them that they should always be prepared for the coming of the Son of Man. And he spoke of ways to be prepared for his coming. And he starts off giving us this uh, idea that we have to live in a state of constant preparation and readiness for the second coming, for the, the advent of Christ. We just have to always be, pre be prepared. In verse 36, he, he says, no one knows the day or the hour, only the Father. Jesus says, I don't even know. I don't know when that's going to happen. Nobody knows the exact date or time. And listen, people have been trying to guess it for centuries now. The first recorded one is in the year 375. 
AD, um, a Christian writer proclaimed, this is a quote, there is no doubt that the Antichrist has already been born, firmly established in his early years, and in a few years will achieve supreme power. <laughs> 375 AD. Uh, or Hippolytus wrote that Christ would come back in the year 500. Seems like a good round number. In the year 1000, there was a hysteria. People were filled with uh, expectation of Jesus coming back. The predictions were crazy. It was recorded that people were so sure he was coming back in the year 1000 that they didn't even plant their crops that year. A bunch of them. They were, they were just that expectant. In 1500, Martin Luther famously wrote, we have reached a time of the white horse of the apocalypse. This world will not last much longer. <laughs> that was uh, Martin Luther, highly respected in 1500s. Uh, many people, I don't know if you knew that Christopher Columbus was actually a, a student of biblical prophecy. Did you know that? And he wrote several things about prophecies. He wrote a volume called The Book of Prophecies. And in that book, he predicted that the world would end in 1556. And this is what he wrote in that book. There is no doubt that the world must end in 155 years. <laughs> that was his prediction. I mean, we could go on. I have several more. In the year 1666, there was an explosion of end time speculation. They found a journal. One pastor wrote in his journal, every time a storm has hit this year, the church was full of people waiting for Jesus. <laughs> They were so expectant that when the storm came and the thunder was rumbling, the people went to the church because Jesus was coming back. They were convinced. Uh, in 1800, this is one of the more famous ones. In 1800, a man named William Miller predicted the return of Christ in 1844. Um, so all over the Northeast, there were half a million, they call them the Adventists, the Adventists. There were half a million Adventists who waited for the world to end on April 18th, 1844. And, and when he, he didn't come back, journalists had a field day. And it was very interesting what some of them did. Some of the disciples of the Adventists were on the mountaintop because they wanted a head start when Jesus came back. Um, others were in graveyards because they were going to ascend with a loved one who had gone before them. Some ladies in high society in Philadelphia actually went to... Um, together they, they got in a group together because they wanted to avoid going with the common folk. They wanted to have their high society friends go together. <laughs> this is the one of the most famous ones in my lifetime. Um, Edgar Wisenant. Wisenant? Wisenant. I don't know but you might remember the book. Um, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Do you remember that? Uh, he predicted that Jesus would come back during Rosh Hashanah, which in that year, 1988, was in September 11th to 13th. And I can remember as, man, I was like in sixth or seventh grade. I was young. I can remember people had, were selling everything. Uh, one family I knew sold all of their stuff and they bought a houseboat on Possum Kingdom Lake. <laughs> it was, I was like, what are you doing? I don't, I don't understand. Because people were so convinced that Jesus was coming back. All of these people, and you, there's been more recent examples. All of these people had one thing in common. They must have not read the text that we read today. <laughs> they must really just have missed where it says that no man knows the day or the hour. But here's God's point. Here's Jesus' point. 
We have to be ready all the time. And Jesus says in some other places, he says to watch for the signs, but not so that we can put off being ready, so that we can always be ready. We have this idea that we want to put off being ready because in that day we will know. And then we can get ready for him to come. But that's not the point. Jesus wants us to always be ready. And if you, we keep going, verse 37, 38, 39, just as in the days of Noah, things are going on. People are living their lives. It's, it's all normal. Today, there are many who disregard the word of God. They're not paying attention to what's written down. And just as the flood came and caught people off guard, Jesus is going to come the second coming of the Christ is going to catch many people off guard. As I as I'm get into this, I hear some of the preacher when I was a, a child. I am not in any way wanting this to be a scare moment. This should not be, we all need to be scared straight. Because since I was a kid, people have been saying Jesus is coming back this year. Obviously, since 375 AD, people have been saying Jesus is coming back. The point is not that we get scared straight or we scare people straight. The point is that we make ourselves ready. We just have to be ready when Jesus comes back. We just have to know that he will come back someday. Maybe it's not in my lifetime or yours. Maybe it is. Maybe we have a great celebration of Christmas and he comes back this Christmas. We don't know. But the point is, to be ready. We need to have the attitude of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I don't know if you guys have read much of him. He's a famous theologian of World War II. Actually died um, as a martyr for the faith. The German Hitler killed him. Um, it's, but he was, his, some, his books, a Life Together, um, is a fantastic read. It, anyway, um, there were a group of Christians in his time that believed Hitler was the Antichrist, and rightly so, right? I mean, why wouldn't you think Hitler was the Antichrist? Um, they asked Bonhoeffer, uh, why do you expose yourself to all of the danger? Because he was a, uh, he spoke often against what Hitler was doing. Um, in fact, it was interesting to note that it, before Hitler was even fully in power, they had Bonhoeffer on the radio. He was giving a radio address and suddenly in the middle of his address, the radio cut off. Like he was pulled. Gestapo was coming for him. They weren't even fully in effect yet. Like, and that guy was railed against Hitler the whole time. And, and these Christians said, why do you expose yourself? Jesus is coming back any day. All your work and suffering. What are they for? And this is what he said. If Jesus returns tomorrow, then tomorrow I'll rest from my labor. But today I have work to do. I must continue the struggle until it's finished. <laughs> Like he didn't know, nobody knew. All he said was, I just, we got work to do. We just have to be ready. You know, it's not for us to determine the when of Jesus' return. It is for us to be expectant that his return is imminent. And while we wait, we have to be about the work that Jesus called us to do. It's not that we go sell everything and buy a houseboat because we think he might be coming tomorrow. Sounds like fun. I want a boat. Someday I'll get a boat, but I'm not selling everything and go buy a boat because I think he's coming back. Like I'm just waiting on Jesus to come back and I want to be about his work. I want, when he comes back, 
for him to find me doing what he's asked me to do. I don't want him to come back and find me and say, so what have you been doing, Cal? <laughs> well, I've been having a good time. I bought a boat. <laughs> it's great. I want him to come back and say, oh, thank you. Thank you for doing what I've asked you to do. And we keep going, verse 40. People today go about their business without thinking about Jesus' return. In an instant, he's going to return. Even while people are going about their daily routines, the first thing I notice about this is that Jesus describes people doing their everyday activities. They were living life. He, he didn't say what we might think, like one person was at prayer meeting and the other one was robbing a store. <laughs> and one went to heaven and the other didn't. That's not what he says. He says there's two people in a field. One is taken and one isn't. He doesn't discern that. We have in our minds ingrained this idea that if we're good, we go to heaven. And if he catches us doing good, we get to be with him. But that's not anywhere in the Bible. There's no teaching that is correct that is that. What Jesus expects from us is to be doing what he's asked us to do. If he exists in our hearts, if we've confessed him as the Christ, the Son of God, and he's forgiven us for our sins, and we're doing his work, that's what he's asking us to do. And that's what he says here in, in verse 40 and 41. Uh, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill, one will be taken, the other left. He doesn't differentiate between the two, so how do we decide what the deal is? It's what's going on in our hearts. We look at somebody and say, oh, look how good they are. Look at the good that they're doing. Look at the... Jesus looks at us and he just sees our hearts. In fact, in another place he says, what he's dealing with is a circumcision of the heart. It's not something you can see. It's not a way to differentiate who's in and who's out. You can't see it. Other than you will know a tree by its fruit. He also says that. The way someone behaves is a reflection of what change has happened in their life. People's choices determine their destiny with God. We have to be making the right choices and that choice starts with him in our hearts. Being prepared means we have to be watchful and, and not impatient and anxiously waiting, but in such a way that we give him glory in every area of our lives. Don't be anxious about it. Don't be worried about it. Don't be wringing your hands. Oh, he might come back. He might come back. That's not the point. The point is just to be ready. And whatever day he comes back, we're ready. In verse 42, keep watch because you don't know when the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known of what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Like we, we just don't know. Jesus is warning them to be ready. A homeowner doesn't know when that's going to happen. He takes it further than just saying we don't know when. He says we don't know the, what time it will be. We don't have any even idea of a time frame to expect him. 
Jesus takes special care to point out that this is, he paints this idea that the day of the Lord is an ordinary day. It's just a day like any other. It's not January 1st of the year 2000. Do you guys remember that? Man, that was crazy. January 1st of the year 2000, they expected all, some thought all electronics were going to shut off. We weren't going to have electricity. We weren't going to have water. We weren't going to have, I mean, there were some crazy things. I did see it. This is a funny side note, but a friend of mine, what they, their youth group was having, and I was a youth pastor and it was a crazy time. So anyway, the youth group was having a, a lock-in and they were counting down three, two, one, click. He had went and turned all the power off to the, to the church. He turned the power off and, so he, and he let the, the sponsors and students panic for about 60 seconds before he turned it all back on. <laughs> they were confused. Did Jesus just come back or did the uh, Y2K take all the power? It was, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. That was brilliant. But just like in the days of Noah, when they got into the ark, weddings were going on, funerals were going on, family meals, plowing. Think there was life as, as normal. He uses the illustration of being prepared for a thief. Because when do you prepare for a thief? You don't. I, I had a pastor friend who woke up one morning. This is no joke. He woke up and looked up and a man was crawling on his floor, had crawled in his window the window was open and was at the foot of his bed crawling on the, on the floor. And he woke up and everybody freaked out. And then, of course, the, the robber ran out the window. And it, it, it was, he wasn't prepared for that, right? It's nothing that he was prepared for, couldn't have prepared for. We don't prepare for a thief. We just stay vigilant and we do things. We lock windows and we lock our doors at night. Maybe, I hope you do. <laughs> Um, you know, we, we're ready for whatever's going to happen. Jesus wants us to be doing the right thing all the time. But that comes because he's in our hearts. It's a desire to do the right thing. If you knew this were the day, today was the day, the question for us is how would you spend it differently? If today was the day, would you tell your neighbors about Jesus? If today were the day, would you change what you watched on TV? If today were the day, would you commit yourself fully to the Lord for the first time? Like if today was the day, what would you do different? If you can say, I would do nothing different, that's what Jesus is talking about. But if you say, I need to do something more, then Jesus wants you to prepare your heart. The last thing is this, being prepared means living every day following in the footsteps of Christ. We have to be prepared to answer the question, have I given myself fully to God? Does he have my heart? Living every day in commitment to Christ, not being caught by surprise. Follow the Holy Spirit's reading, uh, I mean leading. Uh, read the scriptures. Spend time with God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Keep your heart in tune with him. In Philippians chapter four, Paul says this, whatever things are true, you guys probably know this scripture, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, 
And if there's any praise, think about these things. That's what it is to be prepared. Being prepared means we share the good news of the kingdom of God with whoever will listen. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died on a cross. He was raised again so that our sins might be forgiven so that we could spend eternity with him. But even more than that, the forgiveness of sins allows us to spend today with him. It's not a wait until you die and then you get to spend time with him. You can spend time with him today, which is amazing. And it can change everything about your life and your perspective is different. You know, we don't know when Jesus is gonna come back. As Teresa read the scripture earlier in Romans, it's just as relevant today as it was when Paul wrote it. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The day is nearer now than when we first believed. We don't know when he's coming, but today we're one step closer. Jesus isn't trying to make us paranoid. And as a pastor uh, preaching this message, I don't want us to be paranoid. I think that's the wrong way. I have to tell you, I grew up paranoid. <laughs> I was scared to death. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be scared about Jesus coming back. Am I ready? Like it's, it's a matter of what's in your heart. Where are you at with Jesus? That's what he wants. Are you with him? Are you walking with him? Are you moving with him? Do you listen to him? Do you talk to him? How are you? You can do all the acting you want. But Jesus doesn't care about the acting. He cares about this. That's all he cares about. And if he has this, then he, know he, has, he knows he has you. And so Jesus isn't trying to make us paranoid. He's just saying, be ready. Just be ready. And just like the story at the beginning with the principal, the little girl wasn't anxious about when the, print, the superintendent might come back because she just was always ready. And whatever day he came back, good for her because she had her desk ready. So this morning, would y'all stand with me? We're gonna close with a prayer here. And in this season of Advent, I don't want to, like I said, I, this isn't to make us paranoid and this isn't, you better be right with God. Like, that's not this. But I do want you to know, you should not leave this place unless you have made yourself right with God or unless you've asked him to clear your heart, forgive you for your sins, to, to walk with him. Like, that's what he wants. And then continue that. To be ready. And that's one of the things I love about this season of Advent. God, as we pray this morning, I love that it's a constant reminder that your son Jesus is coming back. That Jesus is going to return. And I think it's times like this that we need to maybe take a little inventory of our lives. Where are we in our relationship with you? That's 
great about Advent, expecting that you're coming back, thinking about what that looks like in our lives and asking the question, am I ready? So this morning, church, I just invite you, if you feel a prompting of the Spirit, just make yourself ready this morning. Holy Spirit, move in our lives. Make us ready for your coming. Thank you for the season of Advent and this season of Christmas. We get to celebrate the birth of Jesus, which makes all this possible. But we get to look forward with anticipation of when you will come again. Because you came once. And we know you're coming again. So be with us this morning.